Welcome to another episode of the E&E Show, where we talk about equipping and enabling Christians to reach unbelievers and make disciples. And whether that's across the sea or across the street, we want you to be encouraged, equipped, and enabled to take your place in the Great Commission to lead folks to Christ. Uh, I'm Bucky Elliott, the Media Director here at International Commission, and today I have a special guest from my own church. Uh, this is Destin Gardner. He is a Christ follower, a husband and a dad. And he's the lead teaching pastor at Rock Point Church in Flower Mound, Texas. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Bucky, so glad to be on the show. All right. Well, today we're going to talk about um, something that's really uh, um, inspired by a sermon that you gave a few weeks back when we were in Colossians chapter four and how that verse speaks to not that verse, but that whole passage uh, speaks to how we, as as a as the body of Christ, as individual members of the body of Christ, um, can be steadfastly and watchfully praying for the lost and then speaking out of that. So, tell us a little bit about that. What what does that mean to be steadfastly and watchfully praying for the lost and communicating with them? Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Bucky. And just for anybody kind of looking for the, the context of Colossians. The way I look at it is like a strategy for winning as a church. Chapters one and two, orthodoxy. It is the supremacy and centrality of Christ that we hold on to. He turns a corner there in chapter three, and it's orthopraxy. Now, how do we live this out if we are in Christ, if we are new, if we are alive in Christ? He says, man, you're going to be a new person, new identity. You have a new household. And then, Bucky, what you're talking about there, chapter four, the way I kind of summed it up, you know, it was like it's a new mouth, a new mouth uh, that identifies us as believers. And, and like you said, man, one of the, the highest, best uses of speech in our mouth and our tongue um, is prayer. And so there Paul says in the text, he goes, continue steadfastly in praying, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And so I found just fascinating, even our church, Bucky, is going, you know, year long, uh, emphasis in prayer. prayer yeah. And as I've looked at that, so many times the Bible doesn't just say pray. It, it attaches these words, right? Steadfastly, devoted to. And so there is this just, like, I'd almost say it's like, it's like breathing, like eating these things we need to do just constantly to stay alive. And I think it's so true in our faith, um, even in regards to unbelievers, in or even in regards to the lost um, that we would be, in a sense, Bucky, like addicted to, can't live without, fiending for, needing prayer. I think is the kind of the biblical concept when you see that word steadfast or devoted to. I'm not sure that that God or you know Paul the writer here is like, yeah, just before meals, you know, and stuff like that. So <laughs> before the, meals and bedtime, or when you're yeah, watching sports, yeah, right. That that's probably not the steadfast. You know, that's good. That's consistent. That's great. But so there's this. I think there's just desire and longing there. I'll make a couple of comments on watchful and Thanksgiving. And then, you know, the watchful part, it goes back to really, we see that word used in the garden of Gethsemane. You know, when Jesus goes off to pray and he comes back to his disciples and he finds them falling asleep and he goes, you, you couldn't watch with me. You couldn't be watchful. And so they're almost like in our prayer, there's this alertness, this like spiritual eyes open to my neighbor's to the needs of the community, to what people are saying and struggling and going through. So it's not just these prayers that are just, you know, uh, stale that I just say all the time that don't mean anything. But man, like as I'm praying, I'm asking the Lord to, to, to bring thoughts and ideas and people to my mind. 
And then I just think Thanksgiving is just like kind of the safeguard uh, for prayer. It's good guardrail. So we don't just get to God and complain and gripe, you know, and moan. Um, but it's with the spirit of Thanksgiving. And for you and I going like, man, even though we, that we've received Christ, that he has opened our eyes and revealed to us, man, out of that thankfulness, out of that well of joy, we want to be thinking, praying for, like you said, whether it's across the street or across the sea. So that's kind of a bit of the, maybe the steadfast there in prayer that he talks about. Yeah. Would you, would you go ahead and read um, Colossians four, two through six? That's the, that's the passage that we're focusing on for this conversation. Uh, And it just, it relates so well to um, personally for us at International Commission or those of our partners who have gone with us, who support us, who are working with us around the world, you know that Operation Andrew and that strategic prayer uh, for people in your life that are close to you but far from God, uh, that you're praying for them, investing in those relationships, uh, we know is effective through experience, but we do it because the Bible tells us to, and and this is one of those places that I, th- I think the Lord spelled out really well through the, this letter from Paul. So would you read that uh, passage for us for context? Yeah, good, delighted to. I love, yeah, anchoring in the text here. Yeah, again, chapter four, new person in Christ. What are they to be like? And this is the final thing he says, like the last thing he wants to remember before he goes on his roll call. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray Pray also for us that God may open a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders. Make the best use of your time. Let your speech be always gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I'm ready to preach again, Bucky. There's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to have to contain it to no. I'm just kidding. Uh, we just want to, we just want to talk about it um, because there's a lot there. There really so, is. And a lot of it we can, we can apply directly to our lives as we're living, you know, on mission. And I don't mean on mission in the sense of necessarily going anywhere, but being watchful. Uh, In prayer, being watchful as we go about our day, being watchful in our neighborhood, at work, in ministry, wherever we are. Um, So we're watchful, we're we're prayerful. When we pray, um, God changes our hearts as well. You know, he softens our heart toward those people who don't know him that we're praying for. And then we we desire for their salvation even more and even more. We love them more and more deeply. And so we want to show God's love to them even more. Uh, in speech and in, in, in practical ways and in further prayer. It's kind of this self, you know, feeding, self-repeating uh, thing. As we pray, God does change our heart and give us that greater desire because it's his desire yeah. and he'll grow that. So so let's say that's going on. We're fervent in prayer um, and we have opportunity to share the hope that we have, uh, the message we want to share with these people. Ultimately, the kindest, most loving thing we can do is to share the gospel with them, but man, cultures are are tricky. Um, conversations can be awkward and difficult. Maybe I've known someone for a long time who doesn't know the Lord, and how do we break the ice? And then also, uh, let's talk about you know how do we express the gospel simply and clearly? If you're not a theologian, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to illuminate? 
you know, the scripture and the truth of Jesus to someone. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think one of the things going back to just just breaking the ice is finding the ice, you know, and I love this little quote I use all the time is like, you always find what you are looking for. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love what you said, Bucky, like, why do we want to be steadfast, continual in prayer? Because then we're looking for it. We're actually looking for opportunities to share. We're looking for opportunities with those neighbors, those coworkers, those people of peace that God has brought into our spheres of influence. And I think that's why you said, yeah, God changes your heart. If we're looking for, you always find what you're looking for. And so I think that's one is just finding the ice, right? You know, I yeah. think breaking the ice is just like, if, if I have my mindset, oh man, this person will spend eternity either in heaven with God or eternity apart from God, then it's just, I'm, I'm engaging them more and more and more. And so I, I love the piece in here. It talks about making the most of every opportunity. Yeah, and this can yeah. kind of go into breaking the ice. Cause like a more literal translation of that Bucky is to buy up every opportunity. Um, and so it's almost in a sense, like here's, here's how I saw it as I was like studying it. It's like, okay, so you got your kid in a soccer game and, and they're playing and you're standing, you know, on the sidelines watching them cheering. And, and there's two other dads over here. And, you know, maybe they're not believers. They're, they're far from God. Like you said, close to you, but far from God. Do I just let them sit there and talk? And I just like be here by myself. Part of that, make the most of every opportunity is buy up the opportunities. Like I'm going to go insert myself into their conversation I think that's one of the biggest things is like, cause now I'm a part of that conversation and now I'm looking for an opportunity to pivot the conversation, to ask about God, to just kind of learn about them and just see where the spirit would move. And so I think it's part of breaking the ice is just putting yourself in position. Um, we're such isolated, individualistic society, and it's going to be really hard, Bucky, to share the gospel um, unless you are kind of buying up that opportunity. And so, I mean, it may look weird, like, you know, someone's walking your street and you're just like, Hey, can I walk with you? You know, they may not want to, but what are you doing to that? You're, you're making the most, you're buying yeah. up opportunity. Yeah, that's good. Make, make the investment, you know, per, personal investment Yeah, yeah. in, in that opportunity. Yeah, that's cool. The, you know, the reality is that, um, we, one of our fears is that it's going to, it's just going to be awkward. You know, mm -hmm. if I put myself out there, especially if I'm doing that and I'm trying to turn a conversation toward faith, it's it's just it's going to be awkward. Uh, or, you know, if I'm going to accost a person walking down the street because like that's what I'm going to feel like. No, oh, they're out there minding their business. I'm going to come insert myself. I feel like I'm kind of hijacking their day. You know, most people really do long for connection and people are so much lonelier than we assume they are. And hand in hand with that most people are so much more open to a conversation about faith than we think they are. So if you, if you, if you, you know, open that door, uh, you're probably going to be met with a favorable reaction most of the time anyway. So when, when we get that opportunity though, when we walk through that door, when that ice is broken, we instant ourselves, how, how, how does someone clearly, uh, declare the mystery of Christ. That sounds like a pretty heady thing to try to communicate. What, what's Paul saying there? What, how do we do that? You know, I think declaring the mystery of Christ, I, I should go back to something, honestly, not really in this text I've seen, but something I always try to hold on to 
is that, uh, yeah, I think I was Tim Keller, you know, just brilliant, brilliant, godly man who said, like, try to find what people need and want the most and give that a happy ending in the gospel. Right. I don't mean that like in a hedonistic way, like I want to be rich. Well, like, well, you can have Jesus and be rich, not prosperity type of thing. But like, you know what people want? They want, like you just said, they want to be loved. Yeah, they want to belong. Want belonging. They want to know their life matters and have purpose. You know, they want to accomplish something great. Um, And a lot of times they'll try to fulfill that in their career, in their hobby, you know, right? And so if you can find out, and that's why you're talking, Bucky, like the greatest form of evangelism. For me, it's it's just friendship evangelism. Yeah, friend, yeah building friend friendships. First, right. Like build a relationship bridge strong enough to hold the weight of the gospel as you carry it to them. And so knowing who is this person, where does their heart beat? What do they long for? And I think subtly over that time showing like, man, you think you find it there, but let me tell you where mm-hmm. it's ultimately found like you're actually settling for a lesser than version of the good glorious uh things that god have for you you know this unconditional love and forgiveness and belonging and this great purpose in life so that's kind of a little bit of me and i think paul talks about that right he, he says so that you may know how you ought to answer each person and the way i describe yeah, that is, yeah custom it's custom tailored right yeah. it's not one-liners that i just fling out but like like you said, like I have a personal relationship. I have sinners in my home at my dining table. I'm buying up their opportunities to talk about other things where, you know, and I know them and what their heart longs for. And now there's going to be objections to that. There's going to be pushback. They should be curious. Why do you talk about your wife that way? Why do you raise your children? Why do you choose to give your, you know, right? And then, man, now I'm able to custom tailor answer each person the way they need to be answered and the tone at the timing and the way and so you've got to know someone well enough to be able to custom tailor and that doesn't mean you know obviously we shouldn't just share the gospel with strangers man if the lord moves and prompts you know clearly share it but and i've got some other thoughts too in but any case i was thinking that leads really well <laughs> into what it means to do that graciously and seasoned with salt. That's exactly what you were just describing, I think. But he, in any case, if if it is just with a total stranger, you still want to be gracious and seasoned with salt, of course. Um, but why why uh, why is that language used, you know, seasoned with salt? Yeah, I love it. And I think it's, you know, it says, first of all, it says walk wisely toward outsiders, those outside the faith. And, and you ask this question, well, you know, I thought we were talking about the mouth and the things that come out of our mouth, like prayer, you know. Why are we talking about walking the way you live? And I think, I mean, we all know this to be true. The way you live gives credit to the words you say. I think we all know people who run their mouths and we don't want to listen to a thing they have to say because they're their character, they're whatever. We've got some sort of situation. So like, man, your, your character and the way you walk and conduct yourself, I think gives credit to the words you will say. And so sometimes I'll put this on blast. You know, people go like, share the gospel always. And when you have to use words. And I just personally, I think that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I think the gospel yeah. and probably didn't say it. And it's yeah. words. Yeah. <laughs> but the it's got this impetus behind it. Like, man, if you're a total jerk, 
and you're horrible to your kids and talk bad about your spouse and you cheat and say, you know, like, why would I truly want to listen to you about the greatest things you, you're talking about? So first, that's why I think the, the walk is there. And then there's the full of grace. You know, I even were saying gracious. No, no, no. It's full of grace. It's always gracious and seasoned with salt. There's just a little bit there. And I think, you know, the way I've said it before, it's like a, it's a, it's a dash of candor mm-hmm. with a heaping cup of care. And that goes back to, do I care about this person? Do I love them? Am I relationally invested in them? Oftentimes, if you really do, I think you'll get this naturally. Sometimes when we don't work to build those relationships, we don't break the ice, we don't buy up every opportunity. We're just going to dump a ton of salt on them. And, and I liken this to like, if you're cooking a steak and you pour a can of salt <laughs> on that steak, it's unappetizing, unappealing. Yeah. As good as a filet it is. You and don't you've want ruined to such a good thing. You've ruined, you've ruined such a good, good opportunity thing. for an awesome steak. And we want to do that sometimes with non-believers and just go, let me tell you the truth. Here's all the salt. And Jesus is like, or Paul here, you know, inspired by God, superintended by the Holy Spirit goes, that's off-putting. That's offensive. That is unappetizing. And you ruin, like you just said, a really good thing. And so I think it's that keeping cup of care full of grace. And remember, grace is unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor. I am highlighting you, you know, outdoing one another in honor. And when I do that, and then I'm going to sprinkle in, you know, I'm not shy about the truth. The truth has to be there, but I don't open a can of salt on them. I sprinkle the truth in, man, and trust that the Holy Spirit's going to use that and plant that seed and grow that. And so I think that's a key way. I don't see that a ton online with our keyboard courage. And we yeah. just that when we don't have the relationships, I think we just open that can of salt and it is off-putting and offensive, but I think, that, I think um, that's, a, that's a really good example because uh, even though it's, it's one often used, we always think about that. Like, man, we're, you know, you, you have that unfortunate courage and uh, uh, when in candor, when you're, when you're online uh, mm-hmm. and really to, I mean, some people struggle with that more than others, but it's a tendency for all of us. And you sort of have the anonymity, but the reason probably is that we're not face to face and and there's not a relationship there. When there is a relationship there, there's there is care there. It's built in. And if if we even don't particularly like a person, yeah. we still love them with the love of Christ and we care about their soul. We care about their eternity. We care about their life and their family and their their hope and their joy. And so there, there's a connection, there's care in, in a relationship. Yeah. Um, right, you got to fact check me on this, but man, you right. just made me think of this, this story, uh, Penn and Gillette, like the, 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 the mm-hmm. Vegas magician guys, comic yeah. show. One of those guys, I can't remember, he did this interview and he talks about Christians and he's like, man, if, if, if you really believe, and he's like, I don't believe in it. But he's like, Christians, if you believe that I, you know, Penn, a- a- am going to hell and will spend eternity apart from God, um, how much do you hate me to not tell me that and to yeah. not show me a better way? And man, to hear those words from a God-professed atheist. Yeah, and he's pretty strong like, on it too, yeah. Oh my gosh, you know, like, yeah, if we truly love someone, you know, how do we build that relationship? And for him, that's not even from scripture. That's from logic. He's just right. Yeah. Logic. If you if you guys really believe this stuff, 
but you don't tell me. Do you really? If I'm going to get hit by a truck or a train and you don't tell me, you must must hate me. Yeah. (laughs) Do you really believe it? Do you really care? And that's the thing. You know, the gospel is love. It's, It's based on love, powered by love. It's about love. And so that's, that's our, that's our motivator. It should be our methodology too, if you ask me, Yeah, yeah. you know, so making the best of our time in our neighborhoods, families, work around the world, when we're, when we're making the the best use of it, what other examples can you think of, or how can we apply that? Well, just like, I mean, Bucky, here's, here's one thing that my family does. A lot of times we don't play in the backyard. We play in the front yard. Um, and it's just this little bit, I get it. There's sometimes dinner, you know, we're eating in the backyard or something like that. But a lot of times, like in the summer when the kids are home or uh, after school or something like that, man, we'll just go get in the front yard. And when you're in the front yard, you're just, you're out, you're exposed. And even if it's just like a wave, but man, people start walking their dogs and walking as couples after dinner time. And that's just like a subtle way. But if I'm in the backyard, like, I don't know who's coming by my house, but when we're playing in the front yard and my kids are splashing and stuff like that, people will talk and we'll be able to. So that's something we're not like, you know, like going over and knocking on their doors, but it's just making the most of the opportunity, putting yourself in a position that, man, I can have a conversation. Um, even me, like when I, when I study, there are times I got to go hole up somewhere and I cannot be distracted um, but a lot of times um, I'll try to put myself in a public coffee shop. You know, if I, if I don't need just like hyper, hyper focus, actually, Bucky, there's another, there's a church plant pastor in our area and they don't have a, facilities and resources like we do. They're just going to start still meeting in school. He's always at the coffee shop. But I'm telling you, he knows everybody I see praying. Yeah, and oh, talking. Yeah. It's just kind of putting yourself out there, right? Being available, being interruptible. That's a thing yeah. that you know, I was thinking about that, That's good, yeah. uh, about how Jesus would draw away. So you're good. You're good on drawing away. Jesus did it. So I yeah. think we have a license for that. He would draw away, but when he wasn't, he was available to whomever uh, he intended to speak to and who would come interrupt him, keep him from going where he had planned and told the disciples they were going to go. Of course, he knew he was going to be interrupted. Yeah. He knew who these people were going to be, but but he had time. He had time yeah, for people to be yeah. interrupted. So Terrible, good part of making the best of time isn't the way that maybe we think of it and kind of our American, you know, productive Western mindset of making the best of time is making sure we have every minute scheduled and under control. Right. We're going to make the most of it. We're going to maximize our profitability. Jesus's MO for, 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 you know, productivity and making the best of time was, getting interrupted by people and being available to respond graciously, even if oh. they, you know, got up in his way. And I love that. Be interrupted. Be like that's that. a great line. Yeah. That's fantastic. Cause you always find what you're looking for, you know? Yeah. So I'm looking to just get my work done and do this. And this is what I got, you know? Um, but if I'm, if I'm looking to be interrupted, if I'm looking for opportunities to share the gospel, then interruption is not an inconvenience. It's no, that's what you're looking for. It's what you're it's exactly what you're looking for is to be interrupted. Yeah. yeah I wish yeah. I wish I could say I, de- I definitely have that mindset every day. I don't. Well, look, I mean, here in the text, look, look what Paul says. He's like, he goes, um, pray for an open door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison. So talk about not thinking about yourself like the dude's in prison and he's not praying, God, get me out of here. He's that's right. His concern is not for himself. His concern is for chances and clarity to preach the gospel. That's convicting to me. I just yeah. That is that is. Man, I can't tell you names, but we um 
Uh, I was in a country in the Middle East uh, last summer. I met so many people, so many uh, Christians who had been persecuted for their faith. And a couple of them had been in prison, had been in prison, mm -hmm. had been beaten. And um, mm -hmm. one actually was uh, told to renounce the name of Christ, uh, mm -hmm. else he'd be hung upside down and beaten. And so he was. And he looked for opportunities to, to you know, to to, wow. to share his testimony and his witness to those those people who would come and persecute him. Wow. And so if that's not making the most of an opportunity, uh, I mean, and that's the thing is, is we're, we're thinking about and kind of what we've talked about mostly here is the people around us who we know and are at least, you know, somewhat somewhat friendly with. But Jesus said, love your enemies. And well, how do we love our enemies if we don't give them the gospel, if we have opportunity, right? That's that's hard for us to do in the flesh, but, you know, loving our, even our enemies. So there's people that annoy you, the people that give you a hard time, maybe even are persecuting you. Those are the people we're called to love. And those are opportunities. So, man, we're, if we're praying for open doors, praying for opportunities, we're not making the most of the time and we're not, you know, we're not, we're not taking the opportunities that God gives us as he answers those prayers. If we're not also looking out for and being watchful for the people we don't like or who don't like us that are our enemies. And uh, those people definitely need, and those relationships, they're still relationships. Those, those definitely still need grace and salt with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but it's hard to do. Yeah. It's hard to do. I think that's why prayer is so important to that, um, because we're not going to want to do it. There's <laughs> the desire to do it. We got to see people how he sees them. We're just not going to naturally. Why would you say, Destin, that prayer is powerful, uh, foundational for sharing the gospel? Yeah, because I don't have the power to save a soul. You know, it is the gospel alone, the dunamis, the dynamite, right, as a power. And so, you know, Bucky, I just recently preached on the Holy Spirit, one of my favorite verses. I, mean, I talked about the, the, the post-salvation or the pre-salvation ministry of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus says, I'll send the helper. He'll convict the world of sin, of mm -hmm. righteousness, and of judgment. And I believe it is the Holy Spirit alone that opens people's eyes to their need for Jesus. When it says sin, it's not sins, plural. The Holy Spirit's not convicting unbeliever of ever sin they've ever done, because the goal is not to make an unbeliever moral and them still go to yeah. hell. You yeah, know, right. it's, it's it's the one sin of unbelief. Open your eyes that you have not made Jesus your King, your Lord, and trusted Him as Savior. The righteousness, the conviction that the Holy Spirit brings there is that our righteousness, no matter how good we are, falls short of God's glorious standard, which is sinless perfection. And then conviction of judgment is that the judgment is coming. There will be a reckoning. There will be a day where every person's called to account for whether you chose to believe and receive the free gift of salvation or you rejected it and pushed it away. And so I just look at myself and I go, I have no power to save a soul. Um, and so I just want to pray that it's the Holy Spirit that opens that. Just this past Easter, um, we decided to do something. We did like a worship in the round at our church and the worship was stellar and they invited me to come speak and I had to speak in the round. So I'm like walking in a circle the whole time and half the audience is always in my back and I'm getting dizzy and I'm trying to turn my notes on this coffee table and the, you know, I'm just, I'm out of it, right? I'm not bringing my best stuff. It was like a kind of weird sense of environment to type. 
I missed an I had three points. I missed an entire point. Wound up repeating <laughs> one twice. My phone went off in the back, you know, because it was like anyway. So I was like, I was just like, that was awful. You know, good job for the worship. They shouldn't have had me. The end of that service that night, two people came. They profess faith in Christ for the very first time. And that's where, like, I mean, even as a preacher, you know, the, the sin is like, oh, it was my, I studied and I got that story and I lit, alliterate, whatever, you know, no, I don't have a power to save a soul. And even one of my worst talks, you know, when I'm spinning around and missing points, God will still use it. And mm -hmm. so that's why I'm just like, pray, 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 pray. So one of the things our church does, you've probably done this with us and been just such a great tip for everybody out there is like. We put the names of people we're praying on things. For us, it's rock. We're rock point. And so, man, we grab these rocks occasionally and we write people's names. We put on our car, in our office, on our home. And it just helps go like, I don't have the power to save that person's soul, but God does. And he can open their eyes and I'll be there to point them to Jesus. You know, when their eyes are open, let me tell you, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away your sin gives you, you know, identity, worth, value forgiveness in Christ. So I was thinking we we've talked a lot about praying for the lost around us, but we hadn't really said, I just realized we hadn't really said, what are we praying for? Well, that's what we're praying for. That's a really important point, obviously. Cool. Uh, but I don't want to want it to go unsaid explicitly. And that is that we are praying that God would convict them of that sin that separates them from eternity in a relationship with him. And we are praying that he would soften their heart, give them ears to hear, eyes to see. He would soften their heart and draw them to himself and that and give us an opportunity to present the gospel to them Absolutely. and if not us, someone, so that they would hear it and believe. That's what we're praying for uh, strategically every time we see that name, interact with that person. Uh, that, that conviction of sin, it, it's not... It it, we, uh, please don't hear that as like bad conviction, right? It, it's not the judgment and the condemnation yeah. of the Lord that brings people to repentance. It's the kindness mm -hmm. of the Lord that brings, it's a conviction of kindness to say like, look, this, this is coming. And unless you change, there is a destiny. I, I even think Psalm 23, right? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And the word follow is poor, it's a poor translation. It, it means like run after chase down hot pursuit so god you know Buck and I, we believe our lost friends families neighbors and co-workers god is chasing them down He's pursuing them, them. Yeah. yeah so we're yeah. we're already praying in line with his will he wants us to pray you know for his kingdom come uh you know yeah. his will be done on earth as in heaven what's that will obviously the is part of his revealed very clear will is for for, you know, none to perish. And so that's the way we want to pray, of course. And we get to be a part of seeing that fulfilled, which is awesome. Yeah. I love it. I, I, um, you know, the ministry that I work for, that's our, that's our focus and our emphasis. And, you know, I get to do that in a bunch of different contexts, get to do that in people's homes around the world. But, uh, you know, being able to do that and have that focus at home is so important because it's not just a job. It's not just a ministry role. It's not just a one-time opportunity or a sometimes opportunity. You know, when you go on a mission trip, that's, that's our lives. It's where to be all, what we're to be all about. You know, a lot of times we, we ask ourselves, 
You know, how can I know if I'm, if I'm in God's will? How do I know if I'm living in God's will? Well, I can't answer that for anybody specifically so far as it pertains to a relationship or a job or whatever. But if you're not sharing the gospel, I can go ahead and tell you you're not. <laughs> so I know that much. I know yeah. that much. And that's not meant to be a condemning thing. It should be an encouragement that 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 you already know that much. And so if you're yeah. looking for what, you know, God's will is in your life, take these opportunities, pray this, meditate on this um, into your life and, 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 you know, just live it out. Take that step by step relationship by relationship. I was thinking of, about from the, God who reconciled us to himself and yes. gave us, us the ministry of reconciliation. Ministry of reconciliation. Oh, yeah. And what that looks like is our role is telling, is telling. loving, showing, and telling. That's it. That's good. None of the saving, yeah. none of the convicting, we have to <laughs> yeah, the spirit's job is conviction it no, is. No. and it He's really that takes the pressure off of us because like yeah. we don't have to convince someone of their sin we don't have to force someone or, or talk them into accepting christ and obeying him like he's gonna do that part yeah. we just get to partner with him in telling and showing and, and caring uh that that's where that's where that you know the the heaps of grace and and sprinkle of salt really comes in because like, man, I don't know what someone's into and it's none of my business really. What, what separates them from God is their unbelief and they're, they're not submitted to Jesus Christ. And that's the same for every human, you know, ever. And so you really just don't even have to get into it. Um, you can trust that God will convict, but you speak the truth of the gospel that yes, it is sin that separates us. And it's, you know, faith through, through Jesus Christ, through his grace, that that makes the way of escape and you know he promises us abundant life and joy and hope uh and one of the most effective ways to do that is when you're in a conversation to find those connection points like you were talking about earlier destin uh, find those connection points where you can uh, share part of your testimony or and you can you can even share you know the the main basics of your entire testimony and present the gospel in a very simple way in like 15 seconds Listen to the conversation. Be a good listener. That's one of the best, you know, evangelism tactics out there, I think. You said this already, though, you know, listen to what are their needs. And God knows those. And God yeah. can, can give you words and a connection point to, to relate that. You know, think, listen to a need someone tells you about. Or maybe you just maybe you just offered to pray for them. And then a need comes out that you hear about. If that's something you can relate to and God has done a work in your life over, tell them that. You can tell yeah. them in like 15 seconds, you know, there was a time in my life where I struggled with this. Maybe you've dealt with depression or something. Uh, there was a time in my life where I've, you know, felt lonely and depressed. Um, but I know Jesus Christ who loved me and died for me, uh, made me a new creation and gives me hope. And now, even when I'm going through dark times, I have uh, hope in a future that I can depend on. Has there been a time like that for you? Do you have a story like that? And see yeah. what they say. And now you've you've opened the door. You that they open. Actually, you just walked through a door they opened. Yeah. Uh, you presented the gospel in a very simple way and see where the conversation goes. They may start asking you more questions, and then you can be, you know, you can go further on declaring the mystery of Christ. To, yeah. to and but that's the you know, where what can you relate to in someone's life? A yeah. need they have, and you can promise them that Jesus can make a transformation. You can't do it. Um, none of their decisions can do it except that one to, yeah. to submit to him. And that's um, two thoughts on that. Like, as you're talking, yeah. like, here's a story that's coming to my mind. It's like, uh, 
uh, you know, Paul, when he goes into a city, what does he do? First, he, he goes to the sites of worship and he's like kind of checking out, like what, trying to learn what the people need, what they yeah. worship. And then you see him, he goes, hey, men of Athens, I see that you are religious in every way, but let me make known to you this altar to the unknown God. Let me tell you who that is. And I think that's yeah. just getting into someone's life and knowing what is it that you worship? Where are you? Where are those needs? And then being able to pivot and say, let me show you how that's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And man, the other thing, Buggy, I think you said there, I, I love question evangelism, you know, yeah. um, especially today in a today. Um, even with my preaching style, I, I tried to to change where I think people are more put off by this kind of direct one line communication. Like I'm going to tell you how it is that that can be maybe a little too much salt, a little off putting, unappetizing. What I try to do in my preaching, and I think is great for just relational evangelism, is be more of a tour guide. That's not I'm coming at you, but I'm going to come walk alongside you. And we're shoulder to shoulder in this journey. And as we go along, I just kind of point out some things to you like a tour guide would. What about that? What do you see there? How is, you know, and now instead of like, I'm telling you, you're, there's almost a self-discovery of what do I want out of life? Is this the best for me? Could there be more? Is God real? You know, how, you know, I think when they start doing that, man, that's fertile ground. The spirit's coming in there and, and illuminating and convicting and working in all the right ways. So, you know, tour guide, not uh, classic old school preacher. Like Questions I are so good. And the, and the, you know, come along with me and see this is so it's just so so that's jesus's flavor that's uh the prayer strategy we use is operation andrew derived from the billy graham association okay. what they would do when they would go in and do crusades in cities is the months preparing before that they would partner with churches and get them praying like this and that's we've just adapted that taking it to the mission field um internationally and um and you know you can do that through you know, that prepares the way for evangelistic visits in, in homes or whatever, personal evangelism, without even necessarily having a big a big rally or crusade after it. Anybody mm -hmm. can do this anytime, anywhere. But wow. the reason it's Operation Andrew is, you know, Andrew uh, right. brought his brother yep. and said, come <laughs> and see, come see I found stuff. the Messiah. Yeah. Like, come along with me. Uh, and I just, I love that approach. I love that the attitude, I mean, really, that's the heartbeat of it is uh, you you have received something, you have found the Messiah, and evangelism is is sharing that good news. You know, the euangelion, it's, it's the good news. Why would we not share good news? What a privilege to share the good news with someone. And the good news is not that they are rebellious toward God. That's no. not, that's not good news and that's going to hit someone and strike them and it i mean it is offensive to our nature to our sensibilities to our way of life certainly offensive to our culture and the messages that that um are pre you know, i mean we're getting messages preached all the time from every angle whether you like it or not i mean we're being everyone's going to be discipled by something and someone um yeah. but but hey, we just had a story of the come come along. Uh, you know, I don't know if I get to share with you, but you know, it was Wednesday, like last Wednesday, so a week from Wednesday. Um, we had a, a sermon, and um, there's a guy who's been coming to our church. He's he's only been here, I don't know, Bucky, like two, three months, right? So pretty new. Um, but that Wednesday night, 
he brought his sister. It was very much just like, you got to come and see. Yeah. yeah. But she sat through the service. And at the end of it, like I got to pray with her. She was just weeping, like almost convulsing in conviction of sin. Like she was just tired. She's like, I'm tired of drinking. I'm tired of partying. I want better for myself. I want better for my seven-year-old son. And so we got to do the good news that yeah. you are forgiven yeah. in Christ. Um, you are loved. But like I... Had I seen her out, had a relation, I, I probably would never share the gospel or wouldn't have been able to have that relational bridge. But it was just what you said. Her brother brought her and then she got to hear. So the power of somebody else bringing them to Jesus is it's still going on today. Two thousand years later, yep. man. We've it is. It her. is. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, yeah, that, that relational bridge. And that is exactly what that was. You know, they, he, Andrew brought his own brother uh, and um, you know, we don't, we don't have to do the convicting. We don't, we don't have to do the, the convicting. I think it's important to keep in mind when we're thinking about, you know, the, the come and see, come along, look what I found. Yeah. Found. This is good news. I have this hope there's been this transformation. There still is this ongoing transformation and there'll be an ultimate transfer transformation. I've, I have found myself in, in recent years, um, being more and more comfortable with admitting things I don't know. And I don't just like theologically or right, whatever, right, right. especially with my kids, because, you know, as a dad, we get about two and a half billion questions every day. <laughs> and sometimes I don't know just because I don't feel like spelling it out. Sometimes, man, I, I just really don't know. Like dad doesn't know. But particularly in evangelism um, or in, in any kind of discussion or, or debate, maybe it's about, you know, the world, maybe it's about politics uh, you know, science, philosophy, the Bible. Sometimes I just don't know. And the things that I don't know, I'm fine with now. Yeah. I've just, that's been a journey, but I'm fine with it. And I think actually, I mean, yes, we want to clearly declare, declare the mystery of, mystery of Christ uh, as we know it, do that clearly and simply. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff we don't know in that. And admitting what we don't know actually can be pretty effective in personal evangelism. Uh, because one, it illustrates that I'm not here to tell you all there is about everything. And I'm not here to come and tell you exactly what your entire worldview and belief system should be, what yeah. your theology practice should be. Uh, I'm just, I'm telling you about who Jesus is and and what, what he's done for me, what he can do for you. Uh, but that, the, I don't knows, I think can be powerful and we can embrace those instead of being afraid of them, you know? Yeah apologetics is a, is a, a fascinating, exciting, important um, practice, great, great resources. Um, when you do get into those debates with someone, I think, I think better when you know the person well, and you can carry this on over long <laughs> better, but that's my opinion. Uh, but, but sometimes what you don't know is totally, totally fine. Yeah. And here's why, um, besides the, the humility aspect is that I can tell someone I myself have encountered a lot of darkness in this world. Mm. I've been to many slums in many countries. Um, I used to work with a, a ministry that that ministers to human trafficking survivors. I saw and learned a lot of really dark stuff. There's a lot of suffering in the world. You name a world crisis, I can tell you names of people that I'm connected to there, some of them personally. The world is a dark place and a lot of terrible things do happen. And I can't tell you why. Yeah. I don't. No. Yeah. 
I don't know what the right political party is. I don't know what the right policies are, even for my own town when we're arguing over, do we want to, do we need a traffic light here? Should we update that park or that one? How should this be zoned? Man, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you're going to fix that relationship, you know, with your ex-spouse. I don't know what's going to happen to your family member with cancer. I, I don't know what I do know. I'm going to tell you what I do know. And that's where the power is, man. That's, I know that, that Christ is real. He is who he's revealed himself to be in the Bible. And I don't care what else you think about the Bible, but that is true. He is who he reveals himself to be there. Freedom there is true. The gospel is true. Um, here's how salvation works. And one day he will come and set everything right. Every ultimate, complete, holy, pure, perfect justice will be done. And I'm absolutely certain of that and almost nothing else. Yeah. That can be <laughs> so powerful. And so I just I just want to encourage people to, to embrace the I don't know, because especially in our culture, that actually can have so much relevance um, because, gosh, we're just we're getting so many, you know, there's there's so many sermons happening <laughs> on the airwaves, on social media, um, you know, highways and byways, coffee shops of how things should be, what is yeah. right and wrong. Morality such such, you know, is considered to be you know, so in flux, you do you. Well, there can be no certainty with that. You probably find yourselves in a lot of conversations about social issues or whatever. It's kind of, it's just okay to say, uh, this is what I think, but I'm not certain. I don't know. Let me tell you what I am certain about. Yeah. Gospel it's, it's the difference between wishing and real hope. Yeah, it is. You know, the other one's people just like, hope. you're going to give people false hope. Yeah. <laughs> But man, you root them in the gospel. You root them with Jesus. That's real hope. You know, no. yeah, I just, I had a friend, man, lost her brother. Freak, tragic accident, gun, you know, thing mm -hmm. that happened. And when I went, you know, she was more of a acquaintance at the time. Maybe a little bit more than that. But um, had never had a pastor, like typically pastors or any church people would come and like try to fix it for her, you know, like here's the verse and here's why yeah. and all things. And, and I didn't do any of that, Bucky. I just said, I'm sorry. That's awful. This sucks. I hurt for you. I didn't try to give one answer. I think that was just so like, ref like, what do you, you know, cause she's asking me why I'm like, I don't know, but what I do know is it's awful, but Jesus is here with you in this yeah. pain. In this and acknowledging the reality of the pain and acknowledging the reality of, you know, that hurt, that darkness, the fact that it, this yeah. is wrong. It's not meant to be this way. No. It's the way yeah, it's created. Exactly. It's not meant to be this way. Uh, I think that's so refreshing and honest and real of going like, and don't try to fix this with some scripture verse, but just like, let's sit in it. And anyway, so yeah, dude, I totally... That's and that's the thing. Once you're, once you're, I mean, when when we're open and honest about the brokenness of the world, what a great launch pad for the gospel, right? Yeah. What a great, what the ministry of presence is something that I think we can we can learn and practice better as well. Just go be there with someone, sit in it, be present, be available. Those opportunities to speak the gospel are going to come, you know, and they're going to be so hope filled and not 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 condemning or gloomy because it's it's good news of of hope and joy and salvation and transformation and 
ultimate good and justice. And man, that's what the world needs. That's what the world's looking for. Where is justice? You know, I'm going to look around. It's where, where is justice going to be done? How do we, how do we carry that out? Absolutely. Oh, we're humans and we're just not going to. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to accomplish perfect justice, but I know who is. And so we've got that, we've got that good news to share. It's awesome, brother. I'm sure we could go on and on and on and on about that. Um, but what, what finding, what final um, encouragement or words would you want to share with uh, our listeners uh, who are going to see or, or uh, listen to this? And thank you for the, the great gospel work to even listen to this, to be interested. Man, I think that you're, you're living a great Christian life, that you're leaning into what God has, how he wants to use you, you know, giving your lives up for the sake of the gospel, whatever form, fashion, sphere of influence it has, and that, that you care enough to think about your lost neighbors, family, friends, coworkers, to pray for them by name, intercede on their behalf. Man, just, yeah, I'll close with this. I'll close with this. Okay. All right. All right. Little illustration. Because we talked about the kid thing, right? You know, so the kids come to us. <laughs> like you said, they have a billion questions and they all show up about like 10 minutes before bedtime. And there's times, just to be honest with you, they get so overwhelming. You know, I like, uh, I'll leave my house to go, like I've said, I'll go check the mail seven times that day just to get like a 30 second break. I was gonna walk to, I know the mail's not there, but I just need to get out of this environment. And it can be, I mean, come on, even great parents, it can feel like pestering. But here's the deal. We never pester God. Mm, God's yeah. never like, please, oh my goodness, hold up, stop talking, give me a break, let me have a moment, let me have some, never. The more we come to God, that's why the text, the brings whole circle, conversation full circle, steadfast, devoted, you never pester God. He delights and enjoys the more we come to him. So yes, listeners, devoted steadfast in prayer for all those things man just encourage god loves it he longs for it he wants that and good good things will happen when you you know you'll always find what you're looking for so man bucky appreciate you brother appreciate, oh, appreciate you, you are an inspiration yeah. to me i love hearing your oh, stories thanks. and all the great work you're doing and so uh just a blessing and honor yeah to come on just share just briefly some thoughts but such a, such a joy um, you know, sharing Jesus is my favorite topic to talk about. So I go on forever. I don't know it's the same for you, but I appreciate you bringing that, uh, bringing, bringing the fruit of, of your study and your, some of your experience in life uh, to, to share that and encourage folks. So thank you so much. Uh, so if you're watching or, or listening, I hope you have been inspired, encouraged, uh, equipped, and enabled uh, to share the gospel. So go and tell someone about Jesus. 